Hello, folks, and welcome to our next episode of Careers for Youth in Banking. I'm very excited and uh, delighted to join by one of my colleagues, which I've seen throughout my career uh, doing young and um, incredible and great things. And what I felt that this particular individual will be extremely beneficial to all of the listeners um, to talk about the career, how to enter into the banking industry, and so on and so forth. So without any further ado, I, I said it to the individual, I would not do your introduction because it will, I, I don't think I can do justice to what you have done for the industry. So I will leave it to you, Ali. Um, please take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks, Nabil. Happy to be here and thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm Ali Salalbin. I'm a senior financial services executive. I spent uh, all my career in the capital markets and asset management uh, business. In terms of education, I have an undergraduate and a master's degree in math and an MBA in finance. My uh, master's and MBA are both from uh, University of Toronto. And then I spent the first 10 years of my career in uh, New York and London before coming back to Canada in uh, 2006. So I've been back here for about 15 years now and I've been in the industry for about 25 years in total. Incredible. Yeah, I remember you from your New York days when you used to come from New York and <laughs> I remember that time. So, so interestingly, Oliva, we, we'll talk about a lot of things here, but now go back, you you finished your undergraduate at uh, UFT and then right after that, I'm assuming you went to um, for MBA or you took a break in the middle? You know, I, I did a master's in, in math right after my, my undergraduate and then I was uh, initially my career plan was to continue and, and do a PhD in math and uh, you know become a math professor but I abandoned that plan and then my my second plan my plan B was to go into financial services but uh, I needed to do an MBA because I didn't really know anything about finance at that time I had an interest in the area but I really needed to learn uh, the subject matter and so I went ahead and did that MBA which was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Great point, because uh, after the last episode, one of my um, listeners actually called me and asked me the similar question that, what would you advise after the undergraduate? Just get the MBA done right away or just wait? Because what I've also seen from some of the professionals and the industry experts, they have recommended to finish undergrad, go into the field for a year, try to learn something about it, what you really want to do, and then do MBA in that particular field. But to me, it seems like in that your case, you were dead on that you really want to go into math, right? Uh, yeah, I think that in my case it worked out, but I think things are a little bit different now because I did my MBA a long time ago in the sense that most good MBA programs require you to have some work experience. And I think so you kind of have to work for a few years before you, after your undergraduate, before you go into an MBA. And I think that's good because I think once you have a little bit of work experience, you probably get more out of the MBA. But I think an event, eventually at some point in your career doing an MBA is very worthwhile. Absolutely. So now you finish your undergraduate um, and you finish your MBA and then how did you end up in New York? So that's uh, listeners would like to learn about that journey or was there a job in Toronto before you ended up in New York? So let's take us back to the journey. How did you apply? What yeah. yeah, you know, uh, I guess if I had one advice for young people is you know, in terms of finding their first job, you have to obviously follow all the official channels, meaning you have to uh, apply online and you have to go to the networking events. Uh, I guess those are mostly virtual now and the career fairs, etc. But you also have to hustle. You know, you have to network. You have to find out where the opportunities are. You have to pursue, you know, organizations that you're interested in. In my case, 
because I wanted to be in capital markets, there was a number of banks and investment banks that I was interested in, and I reached out to all of them, whether they came for campus recruiting or not, whether there was a job posted or not. And through that, I ended up getting a job uh, at Citibank in Toronto. And this was my summer internship between my first and second year of the MBA. And that, you know, internship went well, and then it led to a job offer in New York, and I ended up working for Citibank for about five years uh, before moving on to their organization. But that first, uh, you know, internship experience that you get, especially if you're an MBA student, is, is really important. As an undergraduate, you know, if you have some co-op experience, that can be helpful because it can sometimes turn into a full-time opportunity. But even if you don't have that co-op experience, just, you know, making sure that you are chasing down all of those opportunities, whether it's recruitment, fairs, whether it's networking, whether it's job posting, that's really, really important. Now, the key point here, what you're mentioning is hustling and, and, and keep going for items because some of the times when undergraduate reach out to me um, and maybe when I was an undergrad to finish the degree and I thought I'll get the VP job. But the reality is you got to start somewhere basic, as you said, internship, hustle, go after things. So I think this is a consistent theme when I talk to uh, the senior experts, they say that you got to hustle, you got to find and you got to chase for those things, right? So um, talk to me a little bit for the listeners about the capital markets, because uh, I don't understand when I was an undergrad what a capital market was. Seems like you knew exactly what you were doing. I have no idea. So for our listeners, what is capital markets and what are the, the, the different firms and uh, the, the platforms of the, of the banking where you work? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And, and before I move on, I mean, one of my favorite, when talking about hustle, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, the, the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. So I like that. You, you have to, uh, you know, hustle for that dream. Um, in terms of capital markets, you know, capital markets is sort of what it says it is. It's, it's the market for capital. So it's the market for uh, where people who have excess capital, so savers, meet people who have capital needs. So these are typically entrepreneurs or companies that need capital to grow. And so typically the way capital markets business is done is, you know, in the past it used to be the case that there were investment banks uh, that did capital markets business like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs and also banks that did that same business like RBC or JP Morgan or Citibank. Nowadays, pretty much all the firms that are involved in the business are, you know, are banks. So even Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are, are technically banks now. Uh, and basically, the way capital markets business is organized is there are three areas to the business. There's the primary uh, sort of market for capital where capital is created and exchange and exchanges hands between investors and issuers. So investors are the, the people who are lending or, or giving, supplying the capital and issuers are the ones who are taking that capital for, for let's say, growth purposes. Uh, so in a capital markets area, that would be, you know, departments like M&A or uh, equity capital markets, debt capital markets, uh, corporate finance, things like that. Then there's a secondary market for capital where securities that have already been issued are now traded in the secondary market. So once a company does an IPO or does uh, an offering of debt or preferred shares, then those securities are traded in the market in, in the, what is called the secondary market. So there's the primary market and there's the secondary market. The secondary market is when you talk about the trading desk, the sales desk, the structuring desk, that's basically all focused on the secondary market for securities. And in between these two functions sits the research area because the research area, the research department is servicing both the primary side of the business as well as the secondary side of the business. So that's in a nutshell how the capital markets business is organized. And every Canadian bank 
as a capital markets business. Yeah, no, very good highlights. So just uh, um, quickly before I get into the next segment is, would you recommend the undergrads to, because I've also seen them doing, are they doing a CFA or an MBA if they want to go into the capital market side? I know it's a broad question, but what would you like? Yes. No, look, I think they're both really important and there's many people who do both. And of course, if you could do both, that would be fantastic. In general, I would say that, you know, it's good to have a lifelong learning mindset and the sort of, you know, internal rate of return on any investment that you make in your own education is really, really high. So you should always do that. I mean, just as your own example, Nabil, like I know you have pursued a lot of education after, you know, finishing your formal undergraduate studies and even now you're doing a master's. So I think having that lifelong learning mindset is really, really important, whether it's sort of traditional uh, learning like uh, degrees or even non-traditional learning. In Canada, I know, for example, there's a pretty heavy emphasis from employers on, you know, designations and courses and licenses. So if you, you know, you know, going to, for example, capital markets, there's many courses that you have to take to be a trader or to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 sort of in different areas, whether it's compliance or technology or finance. And so I think that uh, focus on ongoing and continuous learning is really important. Good. So um, now comes a point you're in New York. Um, how did you navigate your career? Because that's another challenge some of the folks get when they land their, their first job and they don't know how to move up the ladder of the organization what, what just yeah. a bit of a light there would help to the listeners perfect yeah i think and maybe i'll send you a little chart and if you want you can include it in the uh yeah. in the notes for this podcast or for this episode it's called a trust matrix and basically what it says is that your career progress really depends on two things the first is sort of your hard skills and the other is your soft skills. So hard skills are things like your technical knowledge, you know, your ability to deliver results and, and things like that. And those are particularly important at the start of your career. And the other side is your soft skills. So these are your relationship management skills, networking, communication, things like that. And those are also very important because I think if you can excel in both, you know, then you can have a really successful career. And even though at the beginning of your career, probably your technical or hard skills are more important. As you become more and more senior, your soft skills actually become more important because at some point in your career, let's say when you're at a, at a VP level or, or higher, and you've been in the business for 15 years, you know, you might be asked to go into a role where you don't necessarily have the subject matter expertise. But at that point, you have very good leadership skills, you have very good problem solving skills, very good communication skills, and that's what gets you the job, that's what gets you the promotion. So I think thinking of your own development in those two broad buckets is really important and a helpful way to uh, to be successful in your career. Yeah, it's, it's critical because uh, while you enter, um, you might have the technical skills, might not have the soft skills because you don't have the practical experience of life. But as you learn along the journey, I think you, what you're saying is the technical expertise will get you in, but you also have to have and develop and keep developing the soft skills because they might be different for, a, let's say, junior level. You might not be doing a lot of problem solving, but I think on a senior level, you might be doing more of that. So absolutely. Um, um, just keep developing that and as much as we can. So you were talking about um, the the courses, right? You mentioned there are some courses. Now, in terms of today's world where everything is virtual, what kind of courses would you recommend to, and again, uh, there are many, so I don't expect you to list every, but 
the major one for traders for um, i know we talked about mbcfa but anything other than that you want to recommend for folks to look into Absolutely yeah I think the MBA and the CFA are really important I think the CFA is very important both for the capital markets and also for the investment management side so it's very very helpful to have on the investment management side in terms of capital markets you know uh, the Canadian Securities Institute uh, has a lot of different courses so they have uh, the CSC which I know you mentioned on a previous podcast episode which is their basic entry level course for learning about the the markets but they also have uh, you know uh, other courses like the trader training course they have uh, courses on futures and options and derivatives they have supervisory courses that you need to take if you become a manager so there's a whole host of courses and then there's also a whole host of you know different course packages that you can put together so for example if you want to be uh, get the designation of a derivatives expert then there's a set of courses you have to take to get that if you want to uh have a specialization in something else you know like wealth planning or financial planning or you know again there's a set of courses that you have to take to develop uh, that expertise and to have that designation so the CSI courses are typically quite important in the capital markets area and they're often required uh from a regulatory perspective for you to do certain you know controlled functions like being a trader or being a trading supervisor nice i think um you you know I talked about back in the days CIM chartered investment manager is also a course along the same yeah. lines right that's right yeah so that's one of the designations for example that I have chartered investment manager right and there's uh I think two exams I believe that you have to do uh one of them is the investment management techniques and then the other one is the portfolio management techniques so these are advanced courses and I think you need a number of prerequisite courses like the CSC for example to be able to access those higher level courses but yeah that's a a good designation to have and in many job descriptions you'll see that it can take the place of a of a CFA so many uh, asset management firms will require you to have either a CFA or a CIM Yeah so is it is it fair for me to assume and for the listeners that just an undergraduate degree will probably not land you a capital markets job or you probably have to do some courses like CFA MBA you know, CSI I think I think all of those things help and you know while yeah. you may be able to get a entry level capital markets job or maybe a job in a rotation program that sort of that maybe ends in a capital markets position it's tough and I mean just as an example you know if there's a capital markets entry level role posted uh there'll probably be you know 100 resumes for one you know position right. so the entry right. the success rate is sort of less than 1% and if you think about you know like Harvard University has a 4% admission rate so this is even much tougher than that so it's really really competitive so anything you can do to distinguish yourself and you know get your resume to the top of the pile whether it's uh, you know a CFA or an MBA or these courses they all help to make you stand out as a candidate. Yeah and I and I think it's a critical point because and I'm glad you're speaking up and I'm saying that as well because we don't want undergrads to keep applying for the jobs and no one getting into responses because the competition it's all about who's at the point of applying the job but if if there are people who are competing with MBAs and CFAs and CIMs then chances are you're probably going to get a lesser amount of calls so it's extremely important for them to know that it's good to have something else on the resume so key key point thank you for for letting me know so um great highlight now today's world pandemic listeners cannot go out can do a lot any particular internships um 
I would like you to talk about the Rotman one you also mentioned, but any other networking opportunities you can mention for the individuals who go out and, and learn? Yeah, I don't necessarily have any specific uh, recommendations for internship, except that I would say that, you know, make a list of all the organizations that you're interested in. And, you know, in Canada, we have lots of great financial institutions like the banks, like insurance companies, like pension funds, like uh, mutual fund companies, etc. And then, you know, go after those companies, uh, find somebody to talk to at those companies, look at their website, look at their job posting. Many of these companies post all of their available jobs on their website. So apply, make contact with somebody in HR, make contact with somebody on the business side. Uh, so that's, you know, really that's where the hustle comes in, right? Like trying to get meetings, trying to network your way into the right uh, opportunities. In terms of uh, sort of other tools, I think I'd send you something which is basically a type of a subsidy that, you know, the government gives to companies for employing uh, undergraduate students or MBA students. So that can help, you know, reduce the financial cost for a company to offer a summer internship. So I think that's a good tool to be aware of because sometimes, you know, even companies don't know that these uh, uh, subsidies are out there. Uh, that's what I would say. But I think, you know, in terms of networking, which is really a key driver of career success, even at a sort of a entry level, it's something that you have to really pursue on a lifelong basis. And I would say any place is an opportunity for networking. You can network, you know, the traditional sources where you talk, reach out to, you know, industry contacts on LinkedIn, etc. But you can also network with your family and with your friends and, you know, your neighbors, uh, you know, etc., etc. So there's an opportunity to have an interesting conversation and learn about different careers almost at every juncture. The pandemic makes it a little bit harder, but you can still reach out to people virtually on on social media and try to make contact. And I think it's uh, a volume or numbers game, right? Like you may reach out to 100 people and only 10 get back to you, but the cost of reaching out to 100 people is relatively low. So you have to keep doing that and, and keep having those meetings. Yeah, and, and I think the key key point here is, as you just said, and I'm, I'm constantly hearing from your team is research and, and hustle. So make a targeted approach. If you want to network, which particular field that you want to go and go network those people, let's say, right? I mean, it's good to know everybody, but you really want to have a targeted approach. Similarly for the industry or for the organization, have a targeted approach because if I go back to my undergrad days, networking was meeting people, right? So we just went out and met everyone we knew, but let's have a targeted approach, right? I think that's what uh, it's, it's a common theme here. So I know we're coming closer to the time, Ali, and I know your time is extremely precious. I just want to bring it to the close. Any career advice you want to give it to the folks, um, you know, who are, who are finishing their undergraduate or have recently finished their undergraduate now? Absolutely, yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll go on a little bit because I this is something I do quite often. So I do actually go have a list it. of career go advice that I've prepared, yes. and yes. I'll uh, maybe just bring that up and I'll sort of, yes. you know, talk through that. So just give me bear with me for a second. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, happy. yeah. So I would say that the first thing I would say is you know you have to manage your career. Your career is not this sort of uh, thing that's going to evolve organically. You have to really take charge of it and manage it. And then the other thing I would say is you have to take a long-term view of your career. You know, if you're finishing your studies in sort of your early to mid-20s, you'll probably work for 35 or 40 years. And it's hard for a 22-year-old to think that far ahead because that's, you know, literally longer than they've been alive. But taking a long-term view of your career is really important. And I think you, you more so than a specific role, 
you want to go to an organization where you can sort of grow your value you can compound your value as a professional at a healthy rate i mean think about if you can compound your value at 10 or 15 or 20% every year over a 40 year period that means you'll be extremely valuable as a professional you know towards the middle to end of your career so that's really what you want to to look for uh other advice uh, you know success as i mentioned earlier really depends on both your competence in your job but also on your relationships so it's not just your competence that will help you go up you it's also your relationships uh and you know this is maybe for a little bit further down the road in your career but just understand that you know career progression isn't linear sometimes your career will seem like it's stagnating sometimes you'd have a big jump up sometimes you might even have a jump down but uh you want to still have that long term view of your career because that's really 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 key and uh you know i've already said this but networking is really important i think that's a really important part of any career building and also you know again maybe for down the road in your career be prepared to to reinvent yourself sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you have to take a new role or you're asked to go on a different project or do something which is maybe outside your comfort zone you know do it go for it and and you'll figure it out once you get there so i think it's always good to expose yourself to new situations where you can learn and grow so you know that's really what i would say as a career advice I think think long term you know learn keep learning keep growing and keep networking yeah i i think this is a million dollar advice because when one thing was resonated that at 22 year old you really want them to think for 30 years in their in their career because that's not a very common approach because that at 22 year old were happy to get their first job but what you're recommending is you now you're there what about the next term and it's not going to happen automatically you really have to guide yourself and the second thing you talk about is reinventing it's also a key point because when i talk now now i'm not talking about fresh graduate but when i talk about a 10 or 15 year old banking executive or anybody in the industry for a long time with the influx of technology which is coming these days um ai as you and you and i talked about it that will be touching every single industry in my humble opinion right so it's whatever industry you work in not just banking is good to have some knowledge some knowledge of technology whether it's ai machine learning natural language deep learning whatever that is cloud computing you got to learn something along those lines because we now i'm talking about the industry people we are domain experts but there are people the technology is transforming so we got to know something along those lines so it's absolutely worthwhile so i can imagine 22 minutes are real yeah i mean i can i wish i can keep you here as long as all but i know you have things to do so any any last calls any last points you want to mention or um we've heard from you here you know what i think uh, let me you yourself are a great example in terms of how you have reinvented yourself and how you have kept uh a growth mindset and you've kept learning and kept networking and I think that's really the key thing here. I think, you know, when you're coming out of your undergraduate like the whole world is your oyster and there are so many opportunities and possibilities in front of you. And I would say that, you know, picking a good organization, picking a good boss is probably more important than sort of the specific task or the specific role that you're doing. So I think focus on picking a good organization, picking a good manager and then growing with that manager, growing with that organization because what you're doing uh, on day 1 will change, you know, your role will change, your job description will change, you'll have different projects and different opportunities. So really it's uh, it's better to focus on 
a situation where you can grow your professional value, where you can grow your skills, uh, as opposed to either specific, you know, title or the specific job that you might be doing on day one. Yeah, no, absolutely great advice. So thanks, Ali, for your time. I'm, I'm really, really um, happy that you were able to take time out from your busy schedule and share these learnings from uh, with, the, with the coming graduates. So for all the listeners, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, feel free to reach out to Ali and I for any questions and any guidance. Until then, we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks for joining. Thank you.